Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Melissa Rivers, and welcome to Group Text. Stay tuned for a new episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Group Text. We have one of our favorite friends of Group Text on the podcast today, Sabrina. Do you want to help me introduce our fantastic guest, or should I take it? I guess I'll take it because Sabrina is actually moving her dog. Uh, we have with us the amazing Lisa Bloom. For those of you who don't know, she is a, I guess the word I want to use is top flight Ooh. attorney. I'll take it. Yes. Ooh. Victims advocate, multi-generational glass ceiling, shatterer, et cetera. But I'm going to jump right in. Hi, Lisa. Hi, thank you so much. That's very kind. Yeah, but you are. Like, you know, you're in that, you know, your second generation pantheon. Yeah, you know something about that. (laughs) Yes, I do. People who don't know your mom is Gloria Allred. But we're going to get into family later because your daughter is now working for you. So we're going to get into the whole working with your mother, working with your child kind of thing in a bit. Okay, You've got a lot of great, great, meaning interesting cases going right now. You have Paul Marciano, mm-hmm. T.I. and Tiny. Mm-hmm. It was just announced that you're representing Nene Leakes. And today you just announced something, and I can't remember what it is. Uh, I will look. I don't know if I announced something today. Or in the last few days. <laughs> you know, we always have a lot going on, I will tell you. Oh, the Fox News sexual harassment against Britt McHenry. Yes. So that's a case we've actually been litigating for about two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is definitely heating up because I'm taking the depositions of prior sexual harassment victims at Fox News, of which there are many, uh, to show that this is a company that has long embraced sexual harassment and driven out women who complained. Oh, definitely. I mean, we can all go back and, I mean, if you need a primer on that, go watch uh, the, which movie is the it? The Loudest Voice in the Room. The Loudest Voice in the bombshell. Room. Or Bombshell. So there's your there's your cliff notes of that one. Let's start with Paul Marciano, who is one of the founders of Guess. So a major international CEO at the time, uh, brand, the whole thing. This is round two for him. Yes. Give us a little history and bring us up to speed. So I am just disgusted and appalled that this is still being alleged against him. So let me go back to 2009. And this is what's alleged in our current complaint. Back in 2009, there's a woman who filed a lawsuit against Paul Marciano for groping her and sexually assaulting her. Apparently that case was settled out of court, probably with an NDA. Skip ahead to 2018, supermodel Kate Upton posts on Instagram that Paul Marciano had mistreated her and she was disgusted at guests for keeping him on. He was chairman of the board at that time. I then represent four women, all of whom accuse him of groping them, sexual assault, and 
They also participate in a um, investigation that Guess was doing, even though we thought the investigation was highly biased because it was being done by their own defense attorneys. But at any rate, we participated in it, hoping for the best. We did a non-confidential settlement at the time that was very important to us, that they would accept money for not filing a lawsuit, but they would always retain the right to tell their story. They would not be silenced. Which is a huge deal. Yes. And... You know, a lot of that with NDAs and all that yes. came out during the original sort of crazy, yes. you know, explosion of Me Too. Yes. And this was super important to me and super important to my clients. And in many cases, we fight for this and we achieved it in this case. And Paul Marciano was forced in 2018 to step down as a result of all these allegations. So there were at least seven on the record by then. He steps down and we think, okay, good. You know, we've achieved something important here. Well, guess what? In 2019, they quietly bring him back and he is back on the board and he is back working with models one-on-one -on -one, alone with them. And now I have a new case against him. This is the eighth victim that we know of. And I'm sure that there are more that we don't know about yet who has a very serious allegation against him. She was a guest model for years. She alleges that he groped her, grabbed her. He had her meet him in an apartment. She thought she was there to talk about her career and he sexually assaulted her there, forced her to perform oral sex on him. She was devastated. She alleges in the complaint that she was suicidal afterwards. She just couldn't believe what had happened. She was going to kill herself and she told her husband, I just have to tell you, if I do this, it's not because of you. It's because of what Paul Marciano did to me. So, so why did they bring him back? I don't understand. That's a good question. You know, his brother is also on the board. There's a clothing line named after him at Guess, the Marciano line. They clearly do not believe the women and Seven women is not enough for them, eight women, and however many more behind the scenes that we don't know about. So my client has filed a lawsuit against him. And all of this is now public information because she did not want to be silenced. She did not want this to get swept under the rug as it has before. And it is just appalling. I am very proud of this woman who is so scared. Um, there are, I represent a lot of models who get a lot of sexual harassment, mm -hmm. sexual assault. They get treated like props in the, by photographers. We represent five male models against the photographer, Bruce Weber. Um, we've been fighting that case for years. It's set to go to trial this year. You know, models just get treated like they're sex toys by a lot of people in the industry. It is appalling. They're human. Well, they're, they're treated as disposable. Rights to respect as everybody else mm -hmm. in the workplace. And that's what this case is all about. They're often treated as disposable. Yes, exactly. And the same thing you see with a lot of actors and actresses in Hollywood, you know, where you're always told there's something, you know, better, shinier, brighter, younger that will do it to get ahead. Yeah. You know? And it, 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 I don't think people realize when they think, you know, well, why didn't you walk away? It's like, because you're told how replaceable you are all the time. That's right. And there's often a very elaborate grooming system. You know, if you're a sexy model to begin with, you're posing scantily clad. Well, you know, why don't you just pull your top down? Well, why don't you just take your top off? 
you know, why don't you just pose nude? And, you know, some of them, they're fine with posing nude, right? It's not, it's not really a problem, but that should be everybody's choice. And one of the reforms that we're trying to get in the modeling industry is that models should be told at least 24 hours in advance if nudity is going to be required. If it is, there should always be another person in the room, like at a doctor's office, right? So that they can feel comfortable. They would always have the right to say no without any negative repercussions, because many of them feel this is something they're just required to do to get work. And that's not right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I know in TV and movies and things like that, they also have to have another person on set now at all times. Good. Um, Really silly question, but it just popped into my head. She was forced to have oral sex with him. And I can't believe I'm going to ask this. Why didn't she just bite? (laughs) I mean, I know that's a ridiculous question. Listen, what is very well known in the psychological literature at this point is we all know about fight or flight when you're presented with a traumatic situation, Mm -hmm. but really their responses are fight, flight, and freeze. Mm -hmm. And freeze is the most common response for sexual assault victims. Mm -hmm. The most common, it's something like 70 or 80% will freeze in the moment. When we're sitting around comfortably right now talking, we can come up with all kinds of things that we could have done, should have done, right? Right. When you are caught off guard in the moment by a powerful person who controls your career, very often their response is to freeze. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hear from my clients over and over again. In fact, one of my clients who was uh, an alleged rape victim victim of Steven Seagal and is now a psychologist told me about this freeze response years ago. And I looked into it and we see it in every one of our cases. And then the fourth F is fawning. Very often what happens when it's a high profile predator, like let's say Bill Cosby, over and over again, the victims will continue to reach out to him afterwards with fawning emails about how wonderful he is and how they wanna keep working with him. And people who haven't been through this experience will scratch their heads and say, well, gee, that doesn't sound right. But what the psychologists explain is that the first response to the shock of trauma is denial. And so the victim really tells herself, well, that just didn't happen. I'm just gonna pretend like it didn't happen. I'm just gonna go on like everything is fine. And it takes time for it to sink in. It's like the stages of grief. Mm-hmm. It takes time to realize, okay, hold on, wait a minute. Now that a month has passed, three months have passed, six months have, you know what? I look back on that, wait, I was drugged and he sexually assaulted me. This is wrong. I sat through the Bill Cosby criminal trial because I represented Janice Dickinson, yes. users mm-hmm. who testified beautifully in that trial. And each of the five women who testified against him, they all talked about the fawning afterwards. And that really brought it home to me. Wow. I mean, that's that's fascinating. I've never heard anyone sort of explain the freeze thing. So I'm very much glad I asked. It's like the brain's way of protecting you because you're now in survival mode. Right. That's how it works. Yeah, exactly right. And, and I think those of us, you know, if you haven't been sexually assaulted, especially by a high profile person, you know, you may not relate to it, but you can think of some other sudden shocking situation where afterwards you go, oh, why didn't I do this or that or what, you know, why did I just sit there? You know, it, it is a very common human response to trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, does a leopard change its spots? I'm kind of shocked that he's back on on the board. I mean, it's just I, I don't understand how people underneath him can tolerate it. I know with other people like a Harvey Weinstein, people jumped ship. You know, coworkers jumped ship. We saw that with a lot of other, with Roger, uh, with a, uh, from, from the loudest voice. I'm blanking. Uh, Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes. I was going to yeah. say Roger Stone, but I'm, that just, then I just think of the 
Nixon tattoo and I get all <laughs> freaked out. Back. I know. I just get all freaked out whenever I, I see I don't that. blame you. <laughs> you know, but a lot of people, when when those allegations with Roger Ailes came out and with Harvey Weinstein, a lot of co-workers, employees all jumped ship. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, a lot also stood by him. Yeah. Sure. And they always do. And listen, I also always like to say nobody is all good or all bad. There are women who worked with Roger Ailes who said he was lovely to work with. Mm -hmm. He helped their career. They never had any problem. And then there were others who say he victimized them and they can both be true. Right. You know, we don't need to paint with a broad brush that somebody has to sexually assault everybody they've ever met for it to be true that they've sexually assaulted some of them, right? Right. But as to your question of why Paul Marciano is still there, look, you're right. Company after company, especially in the Me Too era, has gotten rid of these guys when there are multiple credible allegations. Guess has chosen to keep him. And all I can tell you is it is my personal mission in life to win this lawsuit on behalf of my client and any other women who may come forward because this is just appalling that after so many complaints, they have still kept him and allowed him to have unfettered access to models alone, which is when all of these allegations arise. Wow. You know what? I'm really curious about something, Lisa. You have quite a few cases that become really hot topics for pop culture discussion. Is it strange or is it like unnerving, annoying when everybody has an opinion about what you're doing? Well, that's a good question, you know, and I don't know if anybody's ever asked me that before. Uh, Listen, I'm human and, uh, you know, social media hate uh, and a lot of negative articles about me that are planted by the people that I sue. Uh, You know, it's not pleasant. Sometimes it has an effect on me, but I think I'm thicker skinned than most. I have to talk to my clients when we come out in a case and tell them, you know, if you come out with your name, you're going to get a lot of social media hate. Don't read the comment sections. Don't read the random people on Instagram who have an opinion. But of course they do. They can't help it. And then their feelings are hurt and they're upset. And, you know, so we're all human and it does hurt. I do also get a lot of love and support. And the main place I get love is from my clients. Mm -hmm. Uh, We won a race discrimination case yesterday. We'll be announcing more about that soon. And my client said that my, my daughter worked on that case with me. And she said that, you know, my daughter and I changed her life and she never thought anybody would believe her. And she never thought anybody would fight for her. And we did, and we won. And, you know, she was in tears. I've had people tell me that I saved their life because many of my clients were suicidal before they came to me, especially sexual assault victims. Mm-hmm. So I hold on to that. You know, I hold on to kind notes, which I have scattered around my office and saved online to remind myself that that is what this is about. It's right. not about right. random people who don't even know me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's about really making a difference for people. There are not a lot of lawyers who do what we do. Mm-hmm because it is freaking hard. Mm -hmm. It is stressful. Everybody comes at you and, um, but, but we're doing it. Wow. What's up? One of the ones speaking of pop culture, that's, that's been going on is TI and tiny. Yeah. And this has been a rough case so far from what it seems with all sorts of threats and, and harassment from what I've read. What is the gist of the case? You're representing Two victims? So I represent two right now. We're considering a number of other ones. So 
you know, we have a very elaborate vetting process. We have hundreds of people who reach out to us every week for representation. We can only take a very small number of them because we do everything on a contingency, which means I'm funding everything. If we get to the end and we win, we take a share. If we lose, we get nothing. And so I, you know, I can't stay in business if I take a lot of cases that we're not going to prevail at the end, right? Right. And also, we don't want to take any cases unless we feel our clients, of course, are credible. Mm -hmm. If they have some kind of corroborating evidence, people might be credible, but they don't have corroborating evidence, right? So, so in a very extensive vetting process, very extensive and expensive because I'm paying these people to do this vetting process. Um, So we can't just take somebody's word for it. So we need to know, you know, most people, for example, if they're sexually assaulted by a high-profile person like Ti or Tiny, right? They they may not have. They probably didn't go to the police at the time or report it, but they probably did tell somebody, their best friend, their mother, they may have texts, they may have emails. Do you at least have something that can put you in the time and place where you say the thing happened? We want to see that. Mm -hmm. People always tell me I lost my phone, I deleted the texts. Um, We can sometimes get around that, but that can be a problem. So Going back to TI and Tiny, I've had a lot of people uh, reach out to me and we have taken two, which means those two have passed our vetting process. Mm-hmm. We have others that, that are in process right now. And what are the allegations? The allegations are sexual misconduct. Um, the allegations are that women were brought in for sexual activity and pressured into it. And, you know, that's a problem. There's the legal. What do you mean? What do you mean by being brought in for sexual activity? That to me, I just want to, I just want to understand what you mean by that. Well, I'm being a little bit vague because we're not ready to come out with the full story yet. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about sex trafficking in general, which is this case would be under the sex trafficking law. And many of our cases are under the sex trafficking law. And people say, sex trafficking, like I knew the guy, I went over there, I thought it was going to be for a job, we ended up having sex, but I'm, is that sex trafficking? And guess what? It is. So there's Mm -hmm. a very broad law that a lot of attorneys don't even know about. Um, It's the TVPA, the Trafficking Victims Protection Act. And there's a 10-year statute of limitations, which is very helpful to us. Yes. The other laws are often three years. So we have 10, we can go back 10 years. And if somebody is essentially, um, tricked or lied to or drugged or drugged to have sex for a commercial purpose, you can sue them under the TVPA. Now, what is for a commercial purpose? Well, that's like casting couch cases. You're brought in to get a job, maybe as a model or an actress. And the next thing you know, you're pressured into having sex. To me, consent is not a defense, by the way, because when predators go after women, some of them will say no, and some of them will say yes. And that really is not important. What's important is what the predator is doing. Some people don't have the strength. Some people are shocked. You know, some people will submit to the sexual pressure, but it is still wrong when there is a commercial element to it, like somebody's trying to get a job from a high profile person. And that's something that we have to explain over and over again. It's not like you just met somebody out on the street where you're equals, you can say yes or no. If you're career and your livelihood depends on it and you're pressured into sex, that is actionable under the TVPA. And we bring a lot of cases under the TVPA. I I have a question because I know you have a son and I have a son. Yes. Yes. So we talk about consent all the time in our house. Good. And it's very muddy. (sighs) What is consent, especially for college students and younger adults, meaning you know, early 20s, post-college, mm-hmm. where people are in a situation or were before COVID, 
where there's a lot of drinking or taking of drugs and flirting and making out and this and that and the other. And you always hear, and as a, as a boy parent, you worry that someone's going to come after your son when he believes he's had consent. Right. How, how do you, A, teach your kids and what, when do you know it's okay? You know, I always think about this situation where you're dating some girl. I'm just thinking about college, right? Yeah. You're dating some girl and then you break up with her and then you start dating one of her sorority sisters and suddenly she screams, you know, I was assaulted. Mm-hmm. It could happen. It can happen. How do you, what do, what do we say to our boyfriends, sons, brothers, nephews, and what do we say? So what I say to everyone is that it should always be an enthusiastic hell yes, or you should not have sex. So no no means no, maybe means no. Intoxicated beyond the ability to make good decisions is a no. Mm -hmm. It should be a hell yeah to each and every aspect of the sexual activity. And if you're not sure, ask. You know, I think one of the important things to teach our kids is to communicate about sex. A lot of them learn about sex from pornography right now, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. which is the worst possible teacher because nobody communicates about sex and pornography. But use your words and say like, hey, can I kiss you? Can I do this? Can I do that? You know, each step of the way, it, it can be very erotic to do that. I think consent is hot. I'm a little old fashioned. I also think it's nice to have a relationship sure. before mm-hmm. you have sex. And, you know, most of these stories arise out of a lot of alcohol or drug use and, you know, a one night stand somewhere. And look, I mean, I'm, I'm not a prude. You know, people can consent to whatever they want to consent to. That's their business. But that's where these stories come from. When you have mm-hmm. a relationship with somebody you actually care about or, God forbid, love, it's much less likely that you're going to have these kind of outcomes. You might have a breakup where somebody's mad at you, Mm -hmm. but they're not going to be accusing you of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Thank you for answering that. So another case that has just, I I don't know if you're actually involved in it, but it seems that you are, since you had a shout out, was with one of my former coworkers, Nee Leakes, who is saying that she is owed money by a network, by by Bravo. So... I can't talk about that one. Uh, all I can, I did post a picture of a, a year ago with Nini and me because it popped up on my phone this morning a year ago today. And I thought, oh my God, that was a year ago. She was in my office. Everything was so normal back then. Um, but I do love her and support her. And, but I can't say anything else about it, unfortunately. Fair enough. Fair, had to ask. Had to ask. Of course. Um, we brought up kids. So- For people who don't know, you, and I said this already, you are second generation doing what you do. And I don't just mean being a lawyer, but being an advocate and a victim rights advocate and really focusing on mostly women's cases where they have been put in terrible. I mean, you've always been out there. Um, Your mother was one of the first people to do that. People don't know Gloria Allred. Look her up. So... You had to work with your mom, something I can relate to, (laughs) not always easy, but now your daughter is working with you and is probably having the same complaints. How is, how is the situation? I mean, are you finding yourself saying things like, well, now I understand why my mom did this or said this, (laughs) you know what I mean? Or, or it could, or it could 
challenge you to change the dynamic. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, listen, this might surprise you, but for the nine and a half years that I worked with my mom in her law firm in the 1990s, we never had a problem. We actually, everything went beautifully. Why? Because she was super busy and I was super busy. I worked on my own cases. She worked on her own cases. And honestly, we just didn't have time to like argue about anything. But I know your mom. I've met your mom. Mm -hmm. She's a tough cookie. I mean, I understand that too. No, I'm not saying that we've always had a perfect relationship in every way. The working relationship was, was very smooth. And with my daughter, it's the same thing. And I think the key to working with your kids or working with your family is if people are doing a really good job, it's not a problem. If my daughter were not an outstanding lawyer, which is honestly what we demand of everybody in our firm, because we go up against the biggest, most powerful oh, yeah. law firms and corporations. Like we don't have any space in our firm for somebody who's not outstanding. We just don't. So Sarah really is. And she blows me away every day. So I don't have a problem. You know, I don't have a problem. I just, I just sent her a message. I see it's your three-year anniversary tomorrow with our law firm. It's so exciting. Um, she, she is really just such an outstanding lawyer. If she, if she weren't, and I had to like reprimand her or discipline her, first of all, I would have another senior lawyer in the firm do it. We have eleven lawyers, so it's not just me. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, I don't. It wouldn't be great for me to have to do that with her. But she, you know, I mentioned this race discrimination case that we won yesterday. She kept coming up with things that I didn't think of. And I thought, fantastic. You're smarter than me. I can retire. <laughs> take, take over from, you know, she really is. She's, she's a fantastic lawyer and very, very caring and kind with clients and really fierce with the other side. She's also working on our case against Bruce Weber, which I mentioned on behalf of five male models, our case against Fox News. So she is a very tough litigator. And honestly, I would never want to be on the other side of a case from her. So I had to have her come work for me. I I can't imagine, though, having met your mother, having my mother have known your mother. These women, and it's not that we're not tough. Yeah. We're crazy tough. They had to be. I know with my mom, even though she said all the same things about, you know, I'm so smart and I did a good job and this and then there. It is, and I know as a parent, it's so hard not to butt in. And I'm sure with your mother, probably more than you, because it was probably done to you more than you're doing to your daughter, there's no way there weren't times that she looked at you and went, well, do you think maybe you should do it this way or you're wrong? Because my mom and I would have huge arguments on set. Really? And then she would get in the, of course, you know, you have, and then she would, we'd get in the car to go home and she'd be like, so what else is going on? And I'm like, oh my God, I can't even, like, I can't even hear your voice right now. But and that's the like, difference. She had the ability, Melissa, to shut it off. There were creative differences. Get over I know. it. Yeah. And so, but, but she shut it off, but you didn't, it sounds right. like. That right. That part. Well, yeah. But I think you had to have had moments like that with your mother where you're just like, I can't, I can't talk to you anymore today. Well, <laughs> I yeah, just can't. But it's not, it wasn't in the workplace because I think we very much see eye to eye on practicing law in our, you know, private lives, personal lives. I'm 59 years old. In 59 years, have we had arguments? Of course. Um, but, you know, for the most part, you know, I'll tell you this. Since the pandemic, I think we've gotten a lot closer. 
And I wonder if other people have had that experience. I think it's partly because I, especially since the surge the last few months in LA where it's been so awful, we really, my husband and I have just been home. We haven't seen anyone even in our own backyard, except my mother. I go see her once a week outside, distanced, masked on her outside deck. But because of that, we've had a lot of one-on-one -on -one time and we've, we've gotten a lot closer and it, it's actually been really nice. <laughs> Was she a grandma that spoiled your kids? Oh, God, yes. And I believe that is the grandparent's job. And That's her. what my mom used to say. She said, my mom used to say it was her right. And Melissa, but Melissa didn't believe that. Not at well, all. No, because my mother sabotaged. It wasn't spoiling. <laughs> there was always a touch of sabotage oh. in there. I Listen, I was always grateful because I raised my kids mostly as a single mom. And there was a couple of years where I lived near my mom and she would take them on Sunday mornings from like 8 a.m. to noon. And I would go to the gym and go to the grocery store and get a lot of, and that four hours was very precious and meaningful to me. And honestly, whatever she wanted to do with them during those four hours, as long as they came back breathing, it was fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> and when they go off with a grandparent, it's not always 100%. They, they'll usually come home breathing, but they might also come home throwing up. Sticky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. You take the good with the bad ladies. Yes, she would actually do. set them up to debate because she always wanted to encourage their critical thinking skills. No wonder that my daughter became a lawyer and my son is now in law school. So she would have them take a current events issue and assign them each a side. And they had to give good reason to debate with, you know, thoughtfulness and evidence and analysis and have a little debate. And there was a period where they didn't really like it. And they'd come home and I'd say, really, that's your biggest complaint? Okay, you know. Other people have real problems. But I'm sure looking back now, they probably really cherish those moments because those were stepping stones for them. They just didn't know it. And my mom would also, she was very honest. She, it's a point of pride with her to be very honest. So my daughter one time was singing in the back of the car at the top of her lungs at around <laughs> age eight. And she said, grandma, do I have a good singing voice? Oh God. She walked right into that, didn't she? My mom said, no. <laughs> Sarah said, you're supposed, you're my grandmother. You're supposed to say it. And my mom said, you know, I don't want to set you on a path to thinking you're going to be a professional singer. <laughs> so we're going to, I just have to be honest. At which point you call your mom and go, mom, she's eight. <laughs> I love her. I, I yeah. love that school of reasoning. Yeah, but I'm sure you, I'm sure you picked up the phone and went like, mom, she's eight. I can't. Yeah, just like, Stop. <laughs> Right. Because, of course, I would say everything she did was amazing and fabulous. And right. So <laughs> another thing which I just learned about you the other day, which I think is fascinating, is you are a big hiker. Oh, yeah. And you're you've done all the national parks or you're on your way to checking well, no, off I all the national all parks. Of them, but I love our national parks. And by the way, a great re relaxing thing to do during the pandemic is to watch the Ken Burns series America's national parks. It's amazing. It's right? amazing. And I mean, it's a little slow. It's about 15 years old, I think. So by current standards, you know, it's not, there aren't a lot of car chases and, you know, but because <laughs> my <laughs> husband gets a little bored, but it's so wonderful. I love national parks. I love, I've done long hikes, like multi-day hikes all my life. Like I climbed Kilimanjaro years ago. I did. The oh, and I just climbed Kilimanjaro. Yes. Yeah. I like how you just tossed that off. Like no big deal. Well, just a simple lady. Yeah. Just simple. And, 
and <laughs> and, Trail in Peru and, and the Annapurna circuit in Nepal, but now, cause you know, now I'm not flying anywhere. So I've taken, I'm doing the backbone trail in the Santa Monica mountains, which is not very well known. It was only completed in 2016, but it's 67 miles from mm-hmm. Will Rogers park in the Palisades to Point Magoo on the Ventura County line. That's really cool. I didn't know that. And it's amazing. It's, it's, you know, hardly anybody's out there. So it's plenty of social distancing and it's really stunningly beautiful. And it's right here in my own backyard. But the one that I really dream of is the Pacific Crest Trail, which if you saw Wild or Red, I just Wild, say, yeah, that's, it goes from Mexico to Canada up the spine of California, Oregon and Washington. And I'm reading books about it and, you know, one day, it's a six, if you do it all at once, it's, it takes about six months, which I would love wow. to do, but my life would ever allow that. So probably I could do it in segments. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's amazing. What Which one, I mean, obviously I would think Kilimanjaro would be the one you're sort of most proud of. Which one was the one at the end that you said, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that? Uh, yeah, probably Kilimanjaro, although the Annapurna circuit in the Himalayas is also stunningly beautiful. And each day it's very different. You know, one of the great things about these long hikes is, you know, every couple hours you get a completely different view and it's beautiful. And if you, ju- I'm just in awe of, of nature and beautiful landscapes, especially mountains. So if you're that kind of person, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. But Kilimanjaro was very challenging on the, it was about seven days and on the morning before the hike to the summit you get up at well you get up at midnight it's not even morning you get up at midnight you walk straight up you get up there at about 8 a.m and then turn around and go down for about another eight hours (laughs) and you know you either keep walking or you die because there's no like helicopter rescues or anything Mm -hmm. did you keep a photo journal of of your hikes? I have, you know, I have some photos. I should pull them out. This was uh, with a former husband who shall not be named. This was 20 years ago. And he got um, You altitude. can cut him out if you yeah. want. Just cut he him got out altitude pictures. sickness and it was very scary. So we got to the top and we did a quick picture and he's like this, uh, and I'm <laughs> smiling like, hey, we did it. And then we rushed and got him down. So I don't have, it wasn't like today where you take pictures every five seconds of yourself. But I think I do have a few. Lisa, as always, amazing. <laughs> you are amazing. There's oh. always something brewing at Casa de Bloom. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> We're always blooming. You're That's always it. A- thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, it's great to talk to you, Sabrina and Melissa. Stay safe out there. You too. You too.